Welcome. You're listening to The Aligned Self, conversations in creating a conscious and abundant life. This is Daniel DeNovi. I'll be your guide and host. Let's see just where we can take this. Hello, friend, and welcome back to The Conversation. Today is Quotable Monday, and if you don't know, on Mondays I tend to feature a quote that has been meaningful to me or I've come across, and I think it could be meaningful to you. And then I usually provide the quote, and then I go in deeper on it. Today I'm going to talk about an idea that has two quotes, and is somewhat of a variation on a theme. And more than likely, you've heard both of these, and more than likely, both of these have been misattributed to the actual person that created or first uttered this quote, or these quotes. The first one I learned in NLP, or it was handed off to me in NLP, and that is if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always gotten. If you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always gotten. I said this in a workshop one time, and someone said, oh, that's Tony Robbins. I said, no, it's Jesse Potter. And they said, no, Tony Robbins says it all the time. He's the one that says it. Well, (laughs) He's not the first one to say it. And what's interesting is I learned it from my NLP instructor who actually trained with Tony Robbins. They were in the same class. Tony Robbins did not train my instructor. The quote was actually used by the instructor, John Grinder, when they were teaching. And of course, if it's something works, you adopt it. But the first one to say it was Jesse Potter. So let's say it again just for emphasis. If you always do what you've always done. You'll always get what you've always gotten. What this says is if you want a different result, you need to do something different. You need to shift your mindset, change your behavior, be different in the world. The other quote that is along the same lines that is also misattributed is that insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. That quote is typically misattributed to Einstein. He was not the first one to say it. In fact, he never said it. In fact, there's many things on the internet that will point to Einstein. Einstein said this when he actually did not. Which reminds me of the quote from Abraham Lincoln, you can't believe everything you read on the internet. But both these quotes, insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. And if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always gotten. It implies that if we want different results, if we want a breakthrough, we need to do something different than what got us here. That's another quote. What got you here will not probably get you there. But as human beings, we are creatures of habit. If something works, we will do it again, repeatedly. That's an economy and effort. You know, once your brain learns something, and this speaks to behavior that was generated at an early age. And as you probably know, I've been talking about subpersonalities, investigating subpersonalities to an even greater depth than I had in the past. And when subpersonalities are split off from our core self as we're growing up, it's usually in response to a challenge, some stressful event, and There's a part of us that separates and creates a strategy for dealing with that situation. And that subpersonality becomes myopic, 
meaning that it will use that same strategy over and over and over again whenever it encounters a similar circumstance or when you encounter a similar feeling, which is the cue or the prompt to begin this pattern. Typically, this pattern is effective at alleviating pain or alleviating discomfort, making you safe or creating the the semblance or the feeling of being safe. For instance, if you have a self-personality that learned in order to avoid conflict, you withdraw, you change the subject, you go somewhere else. Case solved, didn't encounter the conflict. Well, that may have worked in that particular circumstance, but later in life, when you need to stand up for yourself, you need to talk to somebody about something, you need to get your point across, and you get that same feeling, oh, potential conflict, I withdraw it. And you you hold back, you don't express yourself, you don't say what you want to say, you don't necessarily even stress that you have a boundary around this. You allow other people to walk over you because you learned At one point in your life, to avoid conflict, to not engage in conflict, you avoid it. You go somewhere else. You change direction. You withhold yourself. Again, that worked the first time. It worked the second time, probably the third or fourth time. But as a long-term strategy over the course of your life, you are going to be at the short end of the stick. You will lose out if you continue to avoid conflict. But the way people typically interpret it is that, I don't like conflict. I avoid it at all costs. We believe that about ourselves. We see a pattern and we think that is us instead of a strategy that we adopted at some point earlier in our life. We mistakenly think that that is part of our personality. I just don't like conflict. In fact, I physically get sick at the thought of conflict. Well, that's true. That may or may not have been a trauma response or a response to a traumatic event or an embarrassing event or an event that somebody else exerted their power over you. And so you didn't feel like you were up to the task. So the be- you know the stress response, fight, flight, or freeze. And so that is the flight response to move away from conflict. It's just a strategy you learn. And if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always gotten. So how we circumvent that is to learn a new pattern, re-educate ourselves, heal that aspect of the past. And that's the work that I do with subpersonalities. The focus of my book and the focus of my upcoming coaching program, my small group coaching program around subpersonalities. If you're interested in getting involved in that coaching program, send me an email at support at daynovi.com. That's support at daynovi.com. You can also contact me through the website, yesdaniel.com. And if you think you're interested in the small group coaching program around subpersonalities, this is probably going to be the only time that I have such a group. I don't foresee at the present moment that I will be doing this again. But like James Bond, I can never say never again. I'm just saying from my perspective right now, I don't anticipate doing this again. If I do, it'll be a while. So, in accordance with our quote, these subpersonalities adopt a strategy. They're maniacal in nature, meaning that they're singular in focus. They have one way of doing something. They see the same challenge. They have the same strategy again and again until they learn something different. 
But these sub-personalities are created, or or these sub-aspects of our personality that adopt this strategy, they're born in a trance state. They're perpetuated in a trance state. So it's almost like your conscious mind goes on vacation when this pattern starts to take hold. This is why people have the experience of either an anger response or a withdrawing response or some other knee-jerk habitual response that was adopted at an earlier age. We're aware of it when it's happening, but we feel powerless to stop it because it's a pattern that is set in motion and perpetuated at the trance state. We're actually in trance when we're performing that function or responding in that way. Maybe it's in anger and disproportionate to the circumstance at the moment. And so if we're ever going to stop it, we need to do it in advance of the trigger being set off. Because all of you have the experience that once the button has been pushed, you know, someone pushes your button, you're going to respond just because they push the button. And the response is going to probably be over the top. But let's look at this quote from another perspective. About a month and a half ago, I made a declaration that I was reinventing myself. And one of those aspects was my relationship to my body and my health. And I mentioned in that episode that I was creating a mini revolution with my life. You see, we can't keep doing things the same way and expecting a different result. We need to step out of our comfort zone. We need to move into the realm of the unknown if we're going to see any change in our behavior, if we're going to see any change in our future. A lot of us want something different. We create the intention of something different, but we don't take any significant changes in order to move in a new direction. Oh, we may for a while start doing something different, but because we're out of our comfort zone, we tend to drift back to what is familiar. And this is why I created The Art of Living Dangerously, recognizing the pattern that we tend to want to live in what is known. We like to avoid what is unknown. Even though it might seem attractive, some people may call this sabotaging or fear of success. When you're moving into a new realm of being, it feels uncomfortable. And so we think that we are avoiding the success, the win. No, we're just avoiding feeling uncomfortable. And that goes back to a subpersonality, more than likely, that has adopted the pattern to withdraw, to step aside, close up, Come in closer. Don't extend yourself too far out. Let's start doing some things that are familiar. But when you practice the art of living dangerously, you consciously push the boundaries or approach the boundaries of your comfort zone. Even if it's just a little bit, you step into the unknown, the unexpected, knowing that you're going to feel a little uncomfortable. And the whole process of the art of living dangerously in consciously pushing the boundaries of your comfort zone further and further out, stepping over the boundaries, and feeling a little uncomfortable is learning to feel comfortable feeling a little uncomfortable. And so when you feel comfortable feeling a little uncomfortable, then you can more easily engage in new behavior, shift your behavior, shift your habits, expand your possibilities. So let's say that you want to change. You want to move into a new direction and you don't know what to change, what to shift, what to do different. The short and easy answer is do anything that's different, anything that's different. 
Start interrupting the patterns of your routine in the slightest ways, the littlest ways. Start brushing your teeth with the opposite hand. When you're in the shower, start using the other hand to start washing your body first. In fact, there's a predictable order in how you wash your body. Choose a different body part. Start somewhere else. Use the other hand. And more than likely, you're taking a shower with warm water. As you finish up the shower, turn the water to the cold, reduce the heat, and as cold as you can stand it, you just want to shift your state. That is an interruption to your routine, more than likely. It's in these small little shifts that you can change the rotation of the earth. Now, something that I began alluding to earlier when I made this declaration that I was going to shift the progress of my health or my relationship to my health and my body, what I did is I started intermittent fasting. I never really practiced it very much, and I really took it on. And to be truthful, it isn't that difficult. It isn't that difficult. What you do is you compress the hours in which you actually eat, and you expand the hours in which you don't eat. For instance, if my last meal is at 7 p.m., I don't eat again until 2 or 3 o'clock. That's about 19 or 20 hours of fasting. Now, there's some benefits that happen in that, but I'm not going to go into that now. But I've also fasted for 36 hours, 72 hours, 4 days. A lot of people really get uncomfortable when they think about not eating for 3 whole days or 4 whole days. But the truth is, there's a host of health benefits, and it just gets better and better. And you get better and better at going longer without eating. What's interesting, when we do this, when we interrupt this pattern of eating on a regular basis, you develop a new relationship to food. You become more aware of how do different foods impact your body? How do they impact your mind? How do you respond when you eat a particular substance? What goes on in your mind when you don't eat, when you're hungry? You want to eat, yet you put it off. A lot of times you can just drink some water with a little bit of salt in it and the hunger pangs go away. But as I tell you this, this is not permission. I'm not encouraging you to do this. Check it out for yourself. Even talk to a doctor if you want, but chances are your doctor is going to tell you not to do it. Find an expert, and there's lots of them on YouTube, very credentialed experts and find out what it's all about. Read a book. I investigated it thoroughly before I actually practiced it myself. Find out how to do it. Decide specifically how you're going to do it, and think about it in advance. My whole point of bringing it up is I was interrupting my normal, habitual relationship with food. And ever since I began that, i become very conscious of it. I said I was intermittent fasting. If I stop eating at 7 o'clock and I don't eat until 3 o'clock, then that's 20 hours of fasting. But because I like to confuse the system, I don't want to fall into a pattern. And I am doing something different. If you always do what you've always done, you'll always get, you know the answer. What I have been doing is I might stop eating at 5 o'clock one day or 6 o'clock or 4 o'clock. And I'll fast for 16 hours to 24 hours. It varies from day to day. And then I'll have a day where I don't fast at all. I just eat normally or how I used to. And as a result, I've developed a whole new relationship with food. Well, sometime soon, I'll do an entire episode on fasting. If you're interested, I'll probably, you know, I, I'm not going to do that. I'm not, I'm, 
there are other experts that are more capable of doing it than I. I'm already somewhat of an expert, and I stand behind the benefits, but, you know, frankly, I don't want to start teaching fasting. I'll encourage it, but I'm not going to teach it. Some of you are familiar with my Revolution 88, when I talked about the big interruption to my life that happened when I was 28 years old. Everything about that was stepping outside my comfort zone, doing something different. If their fear came up, then it was a must. I had to do it. It was some, a place to investigate. That's when I first had the opportunity to walk on burning hot coals. I said yes, even though I'd never done it before, never really in, thought about doing it before. But as soon as it came up, yes, that fits my definition of a revolution. I do have a warning attached to this. Whenever you start a revolution for your life, when you start doing things that are really different from the way you've done them in the past... Other people around you are used to the patterns by which you live by, and you're going to upset their sense of familiarity, their comfort zone, when you start stepping outside of yours. And many of us find that whole idea limiting because of the expectations that other people put on this. Sometimes we think it's easier to step outside the relationship or end it altogether so we can become the person we want to be. Well, you know, sometimes you can just preempt that by saying, I'm going to start doing some different things. It's going to seem a little weird. It might seem a little uncomfortable. If you become uncomfortable, let's talk about it. But frankly, I'm tired of doing the same thing over and over again. I'm tired of being the same from day to day. I want a different expression in life. Most people never, ever have that conversation. And I don't know why. You're in partnership with somebody and you tell them, I'm going to start doing some things differently. Of course, you want to avoid the whole idea or the whole conversation. Well, I've heard that before. And you can say, well, that may have been true. I might have said it before and I went back to the familiar, but I really want to interrupt the patterns that I've been living my life by. Really begin questioning, who am I and what do I really want? The reason I'm telling you is because I want to maintain our relationship and if you start to feel uncomfortable that you don't sabotage my efforts, we can actually have a conversation about it. Hmm, actual communication. What a concept. Before I let you go, I want to give you one more prescription that you can put in place in order to start changing things up. I already said, what can you start doing? Anything that's different. Pick even the smallest things and start doing them differently. The other prescription I have is start moving your body different. Start using your body differently. The fastest way to shift your emotions, to shift your thinking, is to start moving your body. We are a psychic soma being. Our psyche, our mind, is attached to our body. How we use our mind affects our body. How we use our body affects our mind. The fastest way to shift our mind and emotions is to move our body. How I've used this is I've taken myself for a walk. I love it when I do it spontaneously. I have a break in the day or I, I might want to eat something. Instead of eating something, I'll go for a walk. 15 minute, 20 minute walk. And I make sure it's a brisk one. That seems relatively short to me. I typically walk for 30 to 40 minutes because I really want to get the blood pumping. I really want to shift things around. But just doing a short 15 or 20 minute walk. The other thing, instead of walking up the stairs, I'll run up the stairs. I'll skip two at a time. Now, depending on your knees, that might seem rather extreme. 
I can still do that, and so I do. And bursting up the stairs that way begins to shift things in another way. I'll beat on my chest with my fist. I'll make some guttural sounds like, huh, and other things. And then I've also just dropped and give myself 10, 10 push-ups. But I'll say it to myself as if it's a drill sergeant telling me, okay, drop and give me 10. And if 10 seems kind of extreme, go for three, go for five. Whatever you can do, it's going to make a difference. If you can only do one push-up, work on doing that one push-up. The next time, work on two. You see, the whole idea is to upset the status quo. If you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always gotten. Now, if you enjoy the fruits of your labor, if you love certain things about your life, don't change it. Don't change it up at all. Keep doing the things that support how you want to be. But if there's areas of your life that you want to improve, areas of your life you want to break free of, start interrupting the pattern. And how we interrupt it is do anything different than that old pattern, any variation of it. Well, I think you got what I'm laying down here. So until next time, this is your friend and host telling you to live the epic adventure as you follow your bliss, living your life from inner signals being inner directed. Yeah. Now that was different. (laughs) 